Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thanks for tuning in. Whether this is your first time or you've been with me since the beginning of this podcast, I appreciate you listening. And this episode will be episode number 10. And I'm going to be discussing the idea of modern day idols. Now, I would venture to say that most people in the world today, and especially Christians, um, do not have any sort of figurines or little, you know, graven images, you know, that sort of idea is set up in their house that they actually worship. I cannot tell of a single time that I've gone over to somebody's house and they had some weird thing in their living room and they're like, oh, this is our God. And and we pray to it a a couple times a day. I've never seen anything like that. Um, I'm sure it probably exists, but I don't think it's very prevalent. In older times, it might have been a lot more prevalent, but I don't think it's really an an issue in that way today. However, I think all of us probably have things that can take us away from God and can take our focus off of God and can become, in a very roundabout way, uh, objects of our worship. Now, it's not that we literally worship things, but when you start to look at you know, what takes our, our mind, our, our time, our thoughts, and what consumes us, uh, it almost sem- resembles worship a lot more than we'd probably admit. So that's kind of the idea of this episode and what we want to talk about. And I want to begin by reading the first portion of the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. And verse 1, it starts by saying, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now we see in the Old Testament at least a couple instances where the people of Israel blatantly disobeyed this commandment by setting up um, setting up images, specifically a golden calf. Now, if you remember, there was the time where Moses was on the mountain. It was actually when he was receiving the law in the, in the people made a gold, made a golden cow. I mean, it, it always shocks me. I guess it's, uh, you know, a much different culture, but it just seems so weird. Like why, where would you even come up with that? God literally just delivered you from Egypt, literally just delivered you from slavery. And because Moses is gone for a little while, everybody panics and they, you know, they gather up all their earrings and everything and they throw it into the fire. You know, Aaron, the priest was actually the one that kind of formed it, right? Fashioned it. And then when Moses comes back and he's really upset, and he's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you worshiping a little golden calf? Like this is insane. And Aaron's just like, I don't, I don't know what happened. We just, you know, kind of threw some earrings into this fire and this, and this golden cow popped out. Like, I don't craziest thing, huh? You know, and later actually in the old Testament as well, there's a King named Jeroboam. He was the first King of the Northern kingdom of Israel after the kingdom had split and he set up two golden calves for worship. So in the southern kingdom, they had Jerusalem. Jerusalem was their location for worship. It's where they had the, the temple had um, been built by Solomon. 
in the northern kingdom obviously wasn't going to go join the southern kingdom for worship. They were divided. They were they were enemies. And so the northern kingdom, they set up two golden calves uh, for their their worship, for their gods. And it's kind of this theme throughout the Old Testament that the people struggled with idolatry. They struggled with worshiping other gods. A lot of times it was worshiping Baal, the local Canaanite god, but they would make these images. Now, again, as I said, we don't really have images that we've you know, you made. So we might not chisel things into stone or into wood, but I think there are things that we chisel into our hearts at times. I found a a definition for idolatry is just trusting, serving, or giving worship to something that's not God. That was from Logos. And a definition for an idol that I really like uh, came from Steve Cuss. He wrote a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. It's a really good um, book. It was one of my textbooks for a class a few months ago. And he said this about idols and managing leadership anxiety says an idol is anything other than Jesus that you must have to be okay. It was on page 66. If you ever get the book, it's a really good book. And I really like that definition because it takes away a lot of the more religious side of things and and the figurine side of things. And he's just puts it in plain language. He's like, if you need something, to be okay, to be healthy, to be content, to be whatever. Um, and it's not Jesus, you know, and that gets in the way of your worship of Jesus. That, that actually is an idol. And then he goes on to, to give a little test. He said, one way you know something is an idol is that you sacrifice time and power to get it. You can also spend some time looking at what you daydream about, what your nightmare scenario is, and what you repeatedly worry about. Again, that was Steve Cuss from managing leadership anxiety. So he's saying that you can kind of tell in life what what has taken your focus away from God by, you know, what do you take all your time, your power to get? What is your focus in life? What do you daydream about? What do you, what's your nightmare scenario? I, I love those two ideas. Like if you ever think of the worst case scenario, well, what does that take away from you? And that thing may or may not be an idol. It's not necessarily a complete guarantee, but it's a good idea to be able to look at this and realize, hey, maybe maybe there's something that's become too important to me. For me, I'm somebody, It's it, I don't know what it is about me. I love to always imagine the nightmare scenario and try to prevent it. You know, I think every time I'm ever somewhere working with a vehicle, and I'm, and I'm nervous about possibly locking the keys in the vehicle or something. I always like crack the window like two inches. You know, there's just these little habits that I do. And my wife thinks they're, they're weird. Sometimes she'll catch me doing stuff like that. Like, what's, what's your deal? And I'm like, hey, I just, for some reason, I always consider like, how could this go wrong? And how could I try to prevent it from going wrong on the front end? So if you ever see me with a window cracked a little bit, for whatever reason, I'm nervous about locking keys in. And I know it's easier to try to reach in and flip the thing so you can unlock it, you know. And I, I don't really know why it is, but it's just a habit that I've I've formed because I sometimes think of those worst case scenarios. Now, obviously, that's not a great example for for idolatry, but if you go and you think about in life, you know what's the worst thing that can happen? And a lot of times, that can kind of lead to revealing some things. So again, idols are just false gods, things that we look to for reassurance, things that we need to be okay, as Steve Cuss said. And a good thing you can look at is just what do we prioritize above Jesus Christ? Are there things we can't go without? Uh, When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing on your mind? Is there something that you just, you you, base your whole life around, you know? And so in Jesus' day, 
One thing that we see in the lives of the religious leaders is that money became an idol, specifically with the chief priests and the Pharisees and those that would come and they would they would sell things in the temple. So the temple was supposed to be the location for worship and they would come in and they would sell stuff to make money and they weren't really worried about about the, the proper things in the temple. And this really upset Jesus. If you remember, he uh, drove the people out with a whip. It's a pretty awesome story. It flips it to the tables and everything. And in Luke 19, reading Luke's account, verses 45 to 48, says that Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. And I looked into that word hanging, and it's actually only used one time. The Greek word for hanging there, it's only used one time in the entire New Testament. It means that they were depending on, they were paying close attention to, they were considering seriously the words of Jesus. I love the idea of depending on it. And so we see here in this, in this encounter, you have the chief priests, the scribes, all these guys that were super religious, and they were there to make money. They were there not to, to pray and not to serve God. They were in the temple to make money. They were dependent upon their tradition. They were dependent upon their love for money. That was all their focus. But then you have these other people that were fully dependent upon Jesus Christ. They were there and they were hanging or depending on the words that he was teaching. That was their foundation and their strength. And then you got these religious leaders that are just focused on money. It became a sales lot, the temple did. And that was their focus, was just making money. And they didn't come to give. They didn't come to sacrifice. They came to receive and to take. So in light of that, in life, are there things that you are hanging on today things that are your support, things that you are depending on other than what Jesus has to offer in himself and his words. A few examples from my life. Again, I think something that is important to notice or to, to note is that idols can kind of come and go. There's certain seasons where something might become an idol or it has the tendency to become too important and get close to being an idol. It's not necessarily a full-blown area of worship, but it's something important to keep track on. So that in light of that, these are some examples of things I struggle with, and hopefully it could help you um, maybe realize some things in your life that have gone a little bit too far. So for one, uh, just stuff and natural possessions. I've mentioned before, uh, I really like vehicles. If I had a, a nicer new truck, it would probably be something that I might focus too much on. Maybe that's why I'm driving the, the truck I got, you know? But there's so many things just in the natural. You know, all of our possessions don't go with us when we die. You know, I know that Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you know, when we came into this world, we came with nothing. And that's going to be the exact way we leave is with nothing. And it's so easy for us to take pride and, and you know, really get excited about the things we own or, you know, just putting too much hope and too much focus on all these things that really aren't going to last. Instead, Jesus offers us and asks us to lay up treasures in heaven. He said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in this life, I have the tendency to focus on these temporal things, but Jesus says, lay up treasures in heaven. And then ultimately, 
Christ himself should be our treasure, not things. So with all of these, I'm going to share something and then I'm going to share kind of an alternative that Jesus offers that is certainly better. A second one for me is productivity, which might sound weird, but I love getting things done. For me, I love to have a to-do list and I love to check things off of the to-do list. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if I end up doing things and I didn't have a list beforehand or I had an incomplete list, sometimes I'll actually add things to the list after I've done them and then check them off. I know that might sound really crazy, but there's something to me that really just, I I love to have things that I can check off and say, hey, look at what I've accomplished. And, you know, it it might be weird, but I know there's been at least one other person I've talked to that that said that they would add things to a to-do list after it's already done and then check it off. I can't remember who it was, but I know there's at least one other person in the world, so I'm not completely crazy. But for me, it's hard to just take a lazy day of just resting and laying around. And some people look forward to that. Like, oh, I just get to lay around all day and relax. And that drives me crazy. Like, it's so hard for me to just take a day and do nothing. Now, it doesn't have to be physical work, but I have to read a book. I have to do something where I can say, hey, look, I checked this off. I got something done. But at the same time, uh, Jesus says to go to him for rest. He said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he offers us to Sabbath. Now, Sabbath wasn't um, it wasn't given as a requirement necessarily. It was given for man. Jesus said that we weren't made to fulfill the Sabbath. Instead, the Sabbath was made to be a blessing to us. But at the same time, it's a principle in Scripture that we are supposed to rest. And it's hard for me to do that. Another thing for me is uh, recognition from other people. I'm somebody that I love. Um, I love positive feedback. It's it's something that I have to battle at times where I'm like, you you can't let this become too important to you. And some people might not care. You know, I know there's the the book on love languages and some people like gifts or some people like quality time or physical touch. You know, I don't remember the whole list. I don't even remember the author, to be honest with you. But some people love um, words of affirmation, I think is the exact way they put it. And that is me. And so at times it can be difficult, you know, when you get bad feedback or when you get no feedback. And so that's something that can become too important to me. As Steve Cuss said, it's anything you need other than Jesus to be okay. And that's something that I definitely deal with. Again, I don't think these are full-blown idols in my life, but they are propensities I have that I have to be careful not to let them get to that point. And uh, a response to this is Paul the Apostle said very plainly in Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And there's a time in uh, John chapter 12 that describes the Pharisees and said they love the glory that comes from man rather than the glory that comes from God. So they would rather have affirmation from man than affirmation from God. And that's the thing is all of these um, might be legitimate at times, but we need to find our fulfillment in Christ. For me, to be affirmed, to be encouraged, all these things needs to come first from Christ, to know that he loved me, he gave himself for me, and to know that in return, I can offer my life as a living sacrifice to him. And so in this way, I'm seeking to please him in my life and not other people. Because if you always live your life seeking to please other people, you'll end up doing some things that are obviously contrary to the gospel. And the final example I have from my life personally is just money. 
it's and not necessarily that I love money, but it's easy to look at money as your source at times for provision. I, you know, you go to the store and we spend money to buy whatever we need, right? In the Old Testament, we had that miraculous story of the people getting manna and quail. I shared a little bit about that, I believe, two podcast episodes ago. And so they didn't have money necessarily to pay for the things they need. I think everybody on the planet would agree that food is a need. You can't live without food. And so we go to the store and we give money in exchange for our needs. And so there could be a tendency to look at money as this source, not acknowledging that God is the one that provides us with money. God's the one that provides us with the ability to go out and work with the gifts and talents we have to go and and make a living. And then, and then he's ultimately in that way, completely our provider. I mean, he is ultimately our source, but at times when you're looking at, at a bank account and you, you're trying to add up everything that you have that you need to pay for and stuff, it can be a source of anxiety. And so money can end up taking on a greater responsibility and a greater role in life than it should. And Jesus said to this, not to be anxious and prioritize God's kingdom. He said in Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In this account, Jesus is basically saying, you know, don't be worried about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live, you know, like, don't be worried about these needs. Focus on God and he'll take care of your needs. And maybe he won't always give you everything you want, but your needs will be met if you're faithful to God. Philippians 4.19, another one, uh, Paul the Apostle wrote to the church there and said, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And that's specifically regarding you know, finances and being able to provide for your own household. And that's the whole idea. So again, money is necessary, but do I need it to be okay? Is it elevated above my relationship with Christ? Does it end up being something that I'm dependent on too much? You know, am I hanging on money or am I hanging on God as a provider? They're just things to think about. Again, it's not necessarily always that it's full-blown idolatry, but we have to be careful about how much these things take our attention. And one final thing I'd like to conclude with that I don't think I have a, a bad problem with, at times it can be a little bad, um, but I know this is probably one of the biggest issues in our culture is technology and especially having a phone, you know, having access to the internet and social media and anything you would ever need to know about anything at the, at the touch of a button on your, not even a button at the touch of a screen now, you know, on a phone really uh, makes us dependent on these phones. And so for, for me, something I try to do is to intentionally leave my phone behind at times. This is something I've started doing recently. We would go to church and I'm like, you know, I really don't need my phone at church and nobody needs to get a hold of me for an emergency. My family's with me. Now, if I'm away from my family and my wife's at home with my baby, you know, it's a little bit different. I like to have my phone on and, you know, just again, to be in touch and to make sure everything's okay at home. But, you know, especially when I'm with my family, I'm like, I really don't need my my phone, you know, and I'm really not that important. You know, I was in a uh, school assignment recently. We were talking about unplugging a little bit. And this uh, one woman in my class, she shared something that I thought was really neat where she basically was like, I'm really not that important, you know, and I keep my phone volume turned off at night. And I, I just thought that was crazy. I was like, why do you keep your phone volume off? What if somebody needs you? And and then it's, you, you kind of look at that and you're like, well, people probably don't really need you. Like for the most part, people don't need you. You aren't 
needed. You're not, you know, the center of the universe. You're not the people's source to take care of all their issues. And so I thought that was really interesting. She's like, you know, when I'm at home with my family, I leave my phone volume turned off in the other room. And maybe a couple times a night, check it, make sure that, you know, there's not somebody that needs you, but nine times out of 10, you're not needed and you can go without it and you'll actually be happier without it. I was thinking about how Moses, when he went into the, he was offered to go into the promised land and God's like, you know, these people are really, really a pain and you can go in, I'm going to stay here and I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, no, like, Lord, we can't go without your presence. But at the same time, I think today we can not go anywhere without our phones or without some form of technology. But how often do we go through an entire day without noticing God, without noticing that we left his presence behind? Moses said, I won't even go into the promised land without your presence. And we'll go almost anywhere, not even notice. But do we ever forget our phone? Because it's one of those things you just have to have it. So again, they're not wrong and they're great tools, but tools aren't meant to use you. Again, all these things, they're not inherently wrong. I mean, there's so many things in life that are good, but we don't want the good thing to become the ultimate thing. So in light of this, I'd like you to take a look at your own life. And are there things that you are prioritizing too highly? Are there things that have become idols in your life and take your focus, your attention, or maybe even your worship? Because God doesn't want any other gods in our life, no matter what they look like. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week and until I see you next time, Let's live out our faith each day without exception.